Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. And greetings once again to you, music lovers, thrill-seekers, conversationalists all across the fruited plain. Time for broadcast excellence, three straight hours. Once again hosted by me, your guiding light, Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network. Our telephone number, if you want to be on the program, is 800-282-2882. The email address... Elrushbow at EIBnet.us. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, your host all over the news proving that it is the media attempting to politicize this. There can't be the coronavirus. There can't be any doubt about it. I am being lied about, misunderstood on purpose, taken out of context. I I got the audio soundbite roster today, and I'm all over it. Do you know what else? I'm also responsible for the Indians playing Macho Man at Trump's rally. I'm responsible for that. Do you know how that happened? I'll tell you how that happened, according to Harvey Levin. We got the audio soundbite. Harvey Levin, who I thought liked me at TMZ. And maybe it's because I act friendly to him that he's got to now act unfriendly. But Harvey Levin's out there saying that when I compared Pete Buttigieg kissing his husband on stage in a debate with a man, Donald Trump, that that triggered the Indians to go get Macho Man by the village people and play it for that I'm responsible for that. Then there's a headline here at TheHill.com, Limbaugh. Bernie Sanders and the Democrat Party pose far greater threat to this country than coronavirus. There's no doubt. Socialism, if we elect socialism, we got four years of an utter disaster on our hands if Bernie Sanders gets elected president. The coronavirus is a virus. I just saw somebody on Fox. You know, everybody's talking about this in in certain ways like they're experts and some are admitting that they're not. Somebody just said, okay, look, if I get this, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home. I'm going to stay home for two weeks. I'm going to get healthy, and I'm going to go back to work. Just because you get this does not mean you're automatically hospitalized. doesn't mean you're automatically quarantined. It doesn't mean you're going to die, she said. Not me. She. Not going to name who. Doesn't matter. Now we've got a story that comes out of Northern California, the Washington Post and the Sacramento Bee. They can't. They can't. They can't help themselves. They've got a story out there, my friends. First case of a person with no travel link. No sooner had Trump finished reassuring them. And by the way, did you see Trump's press conference yesterday? Did you watch it? It was awesome. I've had people tell me, you know, if he behaved like that the rest of the year, he'd win by 10 points. He's going to win by 10 points anyway. He'd win by maybe 15 or 20. It was it was a great press conference. It calmed everybody down. It assured everybody. And let me put something in perspective for you, folks. Take a look at Donald. Donald Trump's life has been solving major problems. As they popped up in his business, in his family, whatever. He has a lifetime of this. He becomes president and people say, oh, my God, we're in dire straits. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's incompetent. He's a fool. He's an idiot. He's a lunatic. All he's done is reworked massively complex trade deals. Finally, 
to the advantage of the United States. He has resuscitated the largest economy in the world inside of three years. He has restored control of the southern border, but now all of a sudden Donald Trump cannot manage a virus outbreak. But who can? The Democrat Party. Why, Nancy Pelosi could. Mike Pence had no idea what he's doing. Trump shouldn't have appointed him. But every Republican that they name is likewise incompetent. Every Democrat that comes forward should be in charge of it. And they tell me that I'm the reason this has been politicized. I'm sitting here minding my own business, reacting to what these people do, and I'm the one claiming they are politicizing this, and there's no question about it. And they still can't get over the fact that I won the Medal of Freedom. They can't. Wait till you hear the audio sound bites on this. They can't. They are spitting mad over this. Probably secretly hoping I get the coronavirus and everything else I've got. So we were told Donald Trump was an idiot. We were told that Donald Trump was a traitor. We were told that Donald Trump stole his election. We were told that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. We were told that Donald Trump was an agent of Vladimir Putin. We were told that Donald Trump tried to dig up dirt on an opponent in Ukraine and therefore should be impeached. We have told all these rotten, horrible things about Donald Trump. He's illiterate that he wasn't mentally fit for the presidency. And the people who told us that are now telling us Donald Trump can't organize a rational response to a health issue. At this point, Donald Trump's competence and abilities ought to be a non-starter. Everybody ought to realize now, after three years, we've got somebody finally who knows what he's doing. And you know what else? Knows how to surround himself with the best people to get the job done. He doesn't... He didn't even make any pretense last night in that press conference that he was doing it, that he was the expert, that he knew everything about it, like they caricature the guy. The very people who predicted that a Trump presidency would crash the economy, people like Paul Krugman and Pelosi and Schumer... The very people who spied on the Trump campaign, the people who organized that silent coup, the people who made absurd, false impeachment charges are now predicting that Trump is going to botch the response to the coronavirus. What does it tell you? The people who've been wrong every step of the way about Trump are now telling you and everybody else that Trump's the one that doesn't know what he's doing in managing health response. And then they say, I am politicizing it. When all I'm doing is calling them out, which is what I have done for 31 years and counting here on the EIB network behind the golden EIB microphone. Let me get back to this story about this phantom, not phantom, this, uh uh-oh, we need to be really frightened case in Northern California. No sooner... Had the president finished that press conference last night reassuring the nation that things are under control when the Washington Post and the Sacramento Bee report that someone in Northern California got the virus, even though that person supposedly has had no contact with anybody who's traveled outside the USA. In other words, somebody in Northern California got the disease And it originated with them. 
they haven't been to Wuhan, China. They haven't they haven't done anything. They haven't they haven't gotten it from anybody. They just they just got it. That means we need to be really scared because the virus is out there lurking somewhere in Northern California. Spotted this person and jumped right into their respiratory system. And that's that's oh frightening stuff, folks. That means the virus is out there lurking like a bunch of locusts ready to attack. That's the story they told. However, that, and that report gave everybody in the drive-by media an excuse to get even more panicked. But if you read down two sentences, just two sentences in the Washington Post story, you get this. Quote, the health agents of the CDC left open the possibility that the patient may have been exposed to a returned traveler who was infected. Well, no, what, then what's the point of the story? If you write a story saying a patient in Northern California has contracted the disease with no contact with anybody, and then two sentences later, oh, the health agency, the CDC, left open the possibility. Let me tell you where this happened. This happened in an era, I'm very familiar with it, Northern California. Travis Air Force Base is there. Do you know what's been happening at Travis Air Force Base? Americans have been flown back to Travis Air Force Base, like from that, that uh, the virus of the seas cruise ship that was over in Japan. And other Americans who supposedly may have come down with those disease or were quarantined, they've been flown back and landed at Travis Air Force Base. It's likely that somebody landing there has had contact with somebody, and the CDC has left. So we have this panic-driven story that the first case in the United States with no known origin, meaning the person that has never been to China, has never been in contact with anybody who had the disease, two newspapers run the story, and then, again, if you just read two sentences down, The CDC left open the possibility that the patient may have been exposed to a return traveler who was infected. Well, then why? What's the point of this story? You know what this is like? It's like every one of those stories in the New York Times for two years after the election results with all these nameless, faceless intelligence officials assuring us that Trump was an agent of the Soviet Union, and that Trump colluded with Russia and stole the election from Hillary Clinton. And then in every story, there was a line, so far no evidence has been found to conclude that these allegations are valid. Every story had that line, if you read far enough down. And they realized nobody was going to read that far down, so nobody ever got to those sections of the story. Was By the way, we can't prove any of this. By the way, there's no evidence for any of this, but we trust our anonymous sources that we're making up here at the New York Times. Here's the uh, CDC statement said, at this time, the patient's exposure, this is the Northern California patient, supposedly got coronavirus with no contact with anybody. CDC statement, this time the patient's exposure is unknown. It's possible This could be an instance of community spread of COVID-19, which would be the first time this has happened in the United States. Could be, could be, could be. Community spread means spread of an illness for which the source of infection is unknown. It's also possible, says the same statement, however, that the patient may have been exposed to a returned traveler 
who was infected. Most of the media have ignored that part of the CDC statement. Travis Air Force bases where returning patients from China and Asia are being flown back to the not not the only location, but it is a location that people are being flown back to. And it's where this person who got infected from no known origin happens to reside. Folks, they're doing the same garbage they did during the the Trump-Russia collusion story. They're running stories for which there isn't any evidence, and they run the correction in the middle of the story, saying, by the way, there's no evidence for this yet, but we're pretty sure that our sources who we're making up are telling us the truth. Same thing here. They're leaving out. They're running a story based on a statement that doesn't say what it says. The statement allows that the patient in Northern California may have come in contact with somebody. So what's the point of the whole story in the first place? Panic. And this is what I meant yesterday when I said the media is weaponizing this story against Donald Trump. I did not say, as it has been reported, that the deep state created the virus to weaponize it against Trump. And yet that's what BuzzFeed is reporting. BuzzFeed is reporting that I said the deep state created the virus to weaponize it against Trump. I got nowhere near saying that. I don't believe that. I know this virus came from Wuhan, China. I do not. I never associated the deep state with this at all. What I said was the media is taking the occasion of this virus and story to weaponize it and the reporting of it against Trump, much as they did the reporting of so-called Trump-Russia collusion. That is all I said. Now, BuzzFeed is lying through their teeth and purposely distorting this. Purposely. They know that's not what I said. And then there was a guy at the press conference who asked the president about this. Like, Russ Limbaugh says that the deep state's weaponizing this. I did not say that. I didn't get anywhere close to it. The president knew what the guy was asking, and he answered it accordingly. The president knew that the weaponization comment that I made was about the media. The media and the Democrat Party are weaponizing this virus against Trump, and it is obvious to anybody even with one eye open. The fact that they are lying about this and making up out of whole cloth something I said that I didn't say about the deep state creating the virus to weaponize it again. Where do they get this stuff? They make it up, not me. And then they run with it and the rest of the drive-by see the BuzzFeed story and they believe it's true. Nobody calls me. Nobody calls me from the... Did you really say, X, we're running this story now and we want to... Did you really think the deep state invented and created the virus to use it again? Nobody ever called me to ask. They just see deep state creates virus on BuzzFeed and they run with it. Why? Because they can't stand that they haven't gotten rid of Trump yet and they're going to use this and anything else. The plunging stock market, the economy they hope will follow suit. They're going to use anything they can to get Trump. Because that's what they are obsessing. They don't care about the public health aspect of this, most of them. They care about how this can be used to damage Donald Trump and build up whoever the Democrats nominate in November. I got a quick time out here, folks. Back with more after this. The Democrats and the media are furious. Uh, President Trump appointed Vice President Mike Pence 
to head up the coronavirus effort to coordinate the uh, efforts within the administration instead of a medical expert. And they they uh, they they say Obama did it right. Obama had the Obolazar. That's what Trump should. Well, who did who did Obama appoint to be his Obolazar? It was a guy named Ron Klain. Ron Klain's not a medical expert. Ron Klain is a Democrat lawyer. Ron Klain is a lawyer who worked on the Clinton and Gore campaigns. He was Gore's chief of staff. Then he became uh, an employee for Fannie Mae, where he helped overcome regulatory issues. He wasn't a medical expert, but they made him the Ebolazar. And since Obama never did anything wrong, he was a medical expert, but he wasn't. Now, BuzzFeed saying that I am politicizing the issue with conspiracy theories that the deep state invented the virus and are weaponizing it against Trump. (laughs) I mean, it's absurd. This is the same media bunch that knowingly published the pack of lies steel dossier, folks. They knew it was unverified, uncorroborated, published it anyway just to get it in the media so the drive-bys could talk about it. I told you yesterday they were saying that this is going to be Trump's Katrina. And lo and behold, here comes this lollipop, Tom Steyer, who was on some radio show last night, had this to say. Trump is incompetent. He is doing a terrible job on this. Mr. Trump is way late. He has no capability. He's incompetent. I think this is a huge, huge deal because this is like George W. Bush with the uh, hurricane and flooding down in New Orleans. A total executive failure by an incompetent executive. If that's not politis, this guy's running for the Democrat presidential nomination is Looney Tunes Steyer. He's, uh, he's the global warming nut, climate change nut. Uh, and he's now claiming that this is Trump's Katrina, something I predicted to you yesterday that they were either already saying or would say. They are so desperately hoping that this goes wrong for Trump. Yeah, and they sit out there and they say, we need to come together. We need to unify. This is a public health issue. Well, they need to lead by example, which they are not doing, because what they are hoping is that this botches. They're hoping the stock market continues to plunge. They're hoping it takes the economy with it. They are hoping that this becomes a very bad health crisis so that they can blame Trump for it. They are hoping all of that, and you can tell it by the way they're talking about it. And you contrast that with the press conference last night the president had with his medical experts surrounding him as they talked about dealing with this. And you ask yourself, with which group of people do you feel more confident dealing with it? You would have to conclude the administration and the people that Trump had out there representing him in the effort to fight this rather than the people on the left who are politicizing every aspect of this and hoping for the worst of it. I checked the email, as I often do during the break. Rush, I, I, what do you mean? What do you mean they're, they're accusing you of saying that the deep state created the virus to weaponize it? I've never heard this. It's right here, folks. BuzzFeed. Trump's biggest supporters think the coronavirus is a deep state plot. While Donald Trump has tasked Mike Pence with leading the country to safety. And then here's the, here's the relevant portion of the story. Trump at the press conference said he agreed 
with claims that Rush Limbaugh made during his radio show this week that the deep state had created the coronavirus as a political weapon to bring down Trump. When a reporter asked Wednesday night if he was minimizing the deadly potential outbreak, Trump laughed and joked that it was no different than the flu. You don't have to necessarily grab any handrail if you don't have to. This, you know, it, it, it is hard over the course of 31 years to, I don't even remember all the lies that have been fabricated, made up about me, things I've said, things I've done. Uh, this, this would have to rank in the top 10, if I can remember, that the deep state created the coronavirus any of you people listening yesterday know that we have talked about the origin of this virus coming from Wuhan, China. I've told you how the virus was spread because of the diet of the Chinese. <sighs> Makes people sick when I tell them. Don't make me repeat this. The idea that we, the deep state created it, that's not at all what I said. But that's what they're running with. And the drive-bys believe it. And what I said was that the virus, the coronavirus, the media is weaponizing the reporting of it against Trump. Now let's go to audio soundbite number two. This is a question from a reporter trying to make the case to the president. They just couldn't resist. Very concerned about the health and safety of the American people, but they always have time for a question about a certain guy on the radio. A number of your supporters online have embraced these theories or forwarded these theories that the CDC may be exaggerating the threat of coronavirus to hurt you politically. Rush Limbaugh the other day said this has been advanced to weaponize the virus against you. I agree with it. And I'd like it to stop. I think people know that when Chuck Schumer gets upset, he did the same thing with a couple of trade deals that are phenomenal deals. He didn't even know the deal. And he was out there knocking it because that's a natural thing to say. But when you're talking about especially something like this, we have to be on the same team. This is too important. We have to be on the same team. It's exactly right. Now, this guy, this reporter didn't exactly uh, repeat the lying claim of BuzzFeed, but he got close enough. Uh, CDC may be exaggerating the threat. It's not what I said. I said that the media is weaponizing this. The media is using this like they used Hurricane Katrina against Bush. The media is using this like they used collusion with Russia against Trump. That's what I said. And everybody knows it, by the way, particularly all of you in this audience. And the fact that they are having to lie and distort this is actually making... Uh, my point. So the guy follows up because th- there were there were two or three reporters that tried to get Trump. See, here's what happened with the CDC, and this is and this the reporters know this, and and Trump was too smart for him. Remember, two days ago, we had the news that somebody at the CDC had come out and said that it's not a question of when or if. It's only a question of when everybody gets this disease. We're going to have to close schools, said this person. And we're going to have to have kids attend school via FaceTime. And we're going to have to close offices. And people are going to have to go to the office via teleconference. Now, you know who this was? A woman named Dr. Nancy Massonier. When I saw this, when I saw that story, I commanded the research guy here, find out who she donates to politically. You know what came back? She's Rod Rosenstein's sister. 
Rod Rosenstein, the deputy director of DOJ, that hired Mueller to run that bogus investigation against Trump colluding with Russia, so forth and so on. So I said, aha. So you got Rosenstein's sister making this blanket statement. She's the, it's the only time she's spoken out. There's somebody else that speaks for the CDC. This woman came out and said, it's not a question of if, it's when. Take your kids out of school and do not go to your office. So, whoa, whoa, what's this? That's what the media, the media wanted Trump to react to that. They wanted Trump to throw his own CDC under the bus. But he had a different person from the CDC at the press conference. When he didn't have, did not have Rosenstein's sister, did not have Nancy Messonnier. He had somebody else, and he did not throw her under the bus. But they were trying to set him up. That woman, that Messonnier, came out and said that outrageous stuff. And it was designed to set Trump up, and here comes the media asking about it. You um, you want to throw your own CDC under the bus? Do you have any problem with the CDC and what they've said? And Trump said, no, i got no problem. So he did not fall for it, did not take the bait. It was clear as day what they were trying to do. Uh, that same reporter said, do you have any evidence the CDC is trying to hurt you? No, they've been working really well together. They really are. They're professional. I think they're beyond that. They want this to go away. They want to do it with as little disruption, and, and they don't want to lose life. I see the way they're working. These people behind me and others that are in the other room, uh, they're incredible people. No, I don't see that at all. Now, that that is a direct attempt to set Trump up to get him to criticize the Centers for Disease Control by criticizing Nancy Messonnier, and he didn't fall for it. But this is exact proving my point. This is how they're weaponizing this against Trump. They're trying to set him up. They're trying to get him to discredit his own CDC. They're trying to get him to speak out against the people there that he has working on this problem. He has somebody different. He does not have Nancy Messonnier standing up there at the press conference. It was somebody else. It was uh, her name is Shook it. And she was good. And she didn't come out with any of this outrageous stuff. You can't go to school. You can't go to work. You got to do it all on FaceTime. And that quote from, from Nancy Messonnier still shows up in almost every mainstream news article about the coronavirus. That's why they've kept asking Trump, you think this is inevitable? You think it's inevitable? Because they've got one person from the CDC who's told kids, don't go to school, use FaceTime with your teacher. And the same thing with people, don't go to the office, use FaceTime with your boss. That was a setup. Messonnier is part of the setup. Do not doubt me, folks. They are still arrayed against Trump, and they're doing everything they can to try to trip him up. And he was ready for it. Let me grab a quick phone call. St. Petersburg, Florida. See, Vaughn, I'm glad you waited. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hey, Rush. Um, my point is this. Where else in the world would you want to get sick with something like this? You know, if you're going to get sick, you want to be in the United States of America because we have the best health care system in the world. This votes so much against socialized medicine and what the Dems and the Libs are trying to do with our health care system. I mean, the experts from the CDC, the National Institute of Health, they're in the United States for a reason, because we do have the best and the most innovative group of professionals in the world. So I just say to anybody who's thinking of voting for the Democrats and they want to socialize medicine, and have the government run our health care system, if you get sick, where in the world do you want to be, and where do you want your family to be? And that's just my point, and thank you for letting me make it. Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, thank you. Thank you for calling, because it's, it is an excellent point. Trump said this 
uh, at his press conference. I, I think I said something like it on the program. You know, the safest place in the world to be with anything like this happening is right where you are, the United States of America. You have access to the best research, the most advanced research. You have ad, 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 the most advanced research on pharmaceuticals and drugs. Forget the cost for a minute, just the availability. You have the most advanced research available anywhere. You've got the best health care in the world. You've got the place where the rich of the world, when they get sick, where do they come? They come right here to the United States of America. You are already here. You are in the best place you can be. And the Democrat Party would do great damage with Bernie Sanders or any of their efforts here to Make the government in charge of all of this and in charge of... The, the, hello, China. Hello, the UK. I mean, it's, it's hello, Canada. You would have people trying to escape this health care system rather than come to it. Except there wouldn't be anywhere else to go. You destroy the United States health care system, then there's nowhere else to go. And it's a very, very valid point. Anyway, let me take a brief time out. We'll continue on the EIB network right after this. I'll tell you what else, folks, is evidence that the drive-bys are politicizing this. And I, I, I mean this, seriously. I mean, I understand how media works, but why in the case of a virus that threatens the health of mass population, what does it matter what a guy on the radio is saying? What does it matter what I'm saying? The only reason it matters is because I am a way to politicize this for these people. Because I react to their attempts to weaponize this. And so they have to fire back and discredit me. But in the big scheme of things, what does it matter? What a guy on the radio is saying about it, if the reporting on this is straight down the middle, strictly medical, strictly public health, strictly this and that, what does it matter what I'm saying? But they have to go to great lengths to distort what I'm saying, to lie about what I'm saying, to make up what I'm saying, and then to rip what I'm saying. Why? Why is it so important to discredit me during a public health thing? Like, why should what I'm saying even matter? Well, the question answers itself. As I'm a powerful, influential member of the media who threatens them. I call them out. By the way, uh, regarding our last caller, you may have heard, and, the, and, and Dr. Fauci talked about this last night in the press conference, there's already a virus uh, uh, vaccine ready to go into testing. And he talked about how testing works. And that there are three phases before you get to approval. It could be a year and a half before there is approval for the vaccine. So people saw the story, say this biotech firm announced that they've got a vaccine ready to go for testing. And they thought, wow, it's imminent. No, it's not. It's going to be a year and a half. Dr. Fauci explained this. But the thing I want to point out to you is the biotech firm that has gotten FDA approval to test their vaccine on humans is a capitalist private sector firm. It's not some government agency. It's not happening. It didn't come. It wasn't invented or created a socialist country. Good old capitalism coming through yet again. And these biotech firms, they are the same people the Democrats complain about as big pharma. 
gouging you with unfair prices and we need to get even with them. We need to really suck it to them. But when they want a new vaccine, when the Democrats, the socialists want a new vaccine or a new antibiotic, they suddenly stop calling these people names. They stop calling for them to be driven out of business. Then all of a sudden, when they're not going to get approval fast enough, then they start blaming other people. But the hypocrisy here is renowned. Just want you to know that the people already ready to test a vaccine, which is going to take a year and a half to go through all the various clinical trials to get FDA approval, to use it on humans as a vaccine is going to take a year and a half. And the same outfit doing this is routinely. Every Democrat debate, they have been savaged. They've been, they've been pointed out, targeted as the enemy that needs to be damaged greatly. Because they're gouging people like you. Here is uh, Vinny, formerly from Queens, now in Wilmington, North Carolina. Vinny, welcome back, sir. Great to have you here. Hey, Rush. Mega primos and mega dittos to you and your family. Rush, uh, in my opinion, this is about, in the long run, the economy. Wall Street is down over 10% now. And now manufacturers are saying that since they are possibly having to drastically slow production or outright shut down production for the foreseeable future, this will now affect consumers in, in a real negative way and in numerous ways, as well as the obvious 401ks and 457s, I mean, how many trillions of dollars have been lost in the last three days because of this hyperactivity by the media? The, the Democrats will run on, on a failing or a faltering economy under Trump. This is my prediction. Harbaugh was right in 92 when he said it's the economy stupid, and so it is now. The economy is the number one issue for Americans in regards to Trump's re-election, and it is this that the Democrats know that they have to proceed. Oh, Vinny, Vinny, let me me, me interrupt and ask you a question here. Do you think American businesses are panicking and responding to media prematurely? There's no reason for this uh, stock sell-off. There's no reason for these people to slow down manufacturing. Why are they doing it? Yeah, I think they're panicking because what what I've always found there's a number one thing that the market fear is uncertainty. And there's a lot of uncertainty. And this sell-off, yeah, there's, there's going to be some of it, of course, but it's incredible. We have 60 cases in the United States, 60, okay? And we've lost trillions upon trillions of, of, of dollars in the stock market over, I, I, I don't know, over 60 cases. I know there's other things going on. But, yeah, I do think there's a lot of panic. All right. I, I do. I, I understand it. But let me give you one example, Vinny. Uh, I'm going to use Apple since uh, I know a lot about it. Apple has been responsible for much of the uptick in the market. Apple has gone through the roof. Apple is way beyond where any analyst expected their stock price to be. And they have plummeted. The reason they have plummeted is because everything they make is in China. Everything is assembled in China, and it's not going to be assembled. They're going to, they may not have any products this year. These are the stories. They, they are, if they do have product, it may be way delayed, and it may be very little in quantity and number. And so the, 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 the results that the market's having with Apple are, are somewhat genuine because whereas we only have 60 cases here, there are 
almost 50,000 in China, right in the center of the manufacturing regions where all of the factories that manufacture Symbol Apple products are. And they're not running anywhere near full capacity. So that's one instance where it has nothing to do with what's happening in America. It has to do with what's happening on the ground in China. So then you have to start asking, okay, well, how did this start in China? What's the real reason behind it? Why don't they get to the bottom? I mean, unending, unanswerable questions. And I have to take a break out of time. We'll do that. Be back in just a second, folks. Don't go away. Now, there's, uh, there's polling data out there. The Democrat primary... Pelosi's out there assuring everybody that she'll support the nominee. Don't believe that. The Democrat Party is still trying to figure out how to undermine Bernie Sanders. Do not believe them when they say they're going to support whoever the nominee is because they're thinking it isn't going to be him. That's why she's saying it. Anyway, Plugs is up 36% to 16% over Sanders in the latest Monmouth poll. South Carolina, the margin of error is almost 5%, though. Details coming up. Hi, welcome back. It's great to have you with us. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network, and the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Studies. Everything that matters. No graduates and no degrees because the learning never stops. Happy to have you here, folks. Telephone number is 800 800- 282-2882, email address, lrushbo at eibnet.us. Look, I don't want to be guilty of what I'm accusing others of. I want to go through this Apple business a little bit more deliberately than I did. I had a minute and a half to make the point. I want to take a little bit more time on it because it's Apple's trying to find ways around the circumstances that they're dealing with. But the reason I want to do it, our previous caller, well-known guy Vinny from Queens, now in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, escaping taxes, uh, said that he believes that American businesses and investors are panicking based on there's only 60 cases of coronavirus known right now in America, that there's no reason for this massive sell-off and that there's no reason for the economy slowing down as it might other than panic. And the panic, he says, is is derived from the way the media is reporting now. Folks, there is no question that this is – the left politicizes everything. The left wants to get rid of Trump like they'd want to get rid of any Republican uh, president, but they hate Trump with a purple passion beyond the hatred they harbor for Republicans in general. And so anything that comes up that may hurt Trump, they're going to hype. They're going to weaponize. They're going to expand, and they are doing it. And to them, if the market loses 10, 15 percent in the correct, fine, fine. Trump shouldn't have had it up this high in the first place. If the economy falls off, fine. If that's what it takes to get Democrats elected, fine. Because that's all the media is, is the adjunct of the Democrat Party. So while, look, um, panic is panic and people are going to react the way they do, not not all of it is. And so that's why I, I cited the example of Apple for him. Now, Apple's an American corporation, and they have been going great gangbusters in the stock market and everywhere else. They are the best-run company in the world right now, according to Warren Buffett. Their stock price has gone through the roof like every other aspect of their business has. 
Their stock price was trading way above where most analysts predicted that it would be. Then the coronavirus hits Wuhan, China. Now, most of Apple's products are assembled in China. Some are assembled in Taiwan. Some are assembled in Brazil. And some are assembled in Vietnam, some in India. But the vast majority of Apple's products, the iPhone and iPads and all the computers are are assembled in China. And the factories are, as, as far as the... Uh, Chinese geography is concerned, the factories are within ground zero of the coronavirus. Those factories were closed for the Chinese New Year, and then after the Chinese New Year, the Chinese government kept them closed because of the effort to contain the spread of the virus. The bottom line is that these factories are just not beginning to open, but they're nowhere near full capacity, not even half full. Uh, Foxconn, the primary owner of these factories, has been offering all kinds of incentives to get workers to return. But people are afraid. They're afraid to go back in massive public areas because of this disease. So they're having trouble. So Apple has issued new guidance. Apple issued guidance telling investors, hey, look, um, our second quarter here, the first calendar quarter of 2020 is their second quarter. fiscal calendar quarter. They've had to rev- it's going to be way way down. They've had to revise earnings and profits way down because there is a stoppage on the manufacture of current products and you know the new iPhone comes out in September. But it is now that Apple engineer, do you know that Apple spends 150 million dollars a year flying employees to and from China? Every day, every day there are 50 Apple employees going to or from China. Every day. Nope. They, they, they spend it on United. And then they spend it on some of the airlines. Now, that travel is not happening. And what the travel is for is Apple's engineers at this time of year are heading over to China, the factories, to get them tooled up and to run test manufacturing on the new iPhone, which will not be released until September. They can't do that yet. It may well be that there's not any travel going on to China right now because who can be sure that they'll be safe if they go there? Now, Apple is trying to accommodate this by moving some production out of China to Taiwan, uh, to Vietnam, and they're going to do everything they can. My, My only point in bringing this up, they'll find a way to deal with it. And whatever is due to hit the market in September, it will hit the market. It may be in low volume. You may have trouble finding it, but they'll they'll get it released on time. The point is, Apple isn't panicking. Now, the American stock market being down, Apple's a big part of it. Apple's got real problems, as does any other tech firm that has its products assembled in China. There isn't much going on over there. They're doing everything they can to get people back to work and get these factories up and running. But nobody thinks the coronavirus in China has peaked. Some think it has. Some think the number of cases is now on the low end. But you know what they've discovered? They've discovered that people that had the the virus and recovered from it are getting it again. Some people in as many as 14 days are getting it in China, getting it again after having supposedly recovered from it. 
if that's true, that's that's kind of you know a new thing for people to be worried about. Now, my only point in bringing this up is not to create any further panic about Apple. I want to do. They're going to. They're working as as best they can to overcome these obstacles. But the fact is that it's not panic that is causing the Apple stock price to drop. Apple themselves have told investors that their production is way down and they're not going to make what their estimates were for the quarter. And it's because of the virus. There's no panic there. Now, there may be some panic. I'm sure there is uh, in some quarter. But it doesn't matter. It is what it is. The market is, is, is down almost 10%. That's correction period. And it doesn't look like there's any end in sight to it. But there will be. At some point, it's going to bottom out. And a year from now, people are going to be shooting themselves for not buying stocks at the prices they're available at today. It's the nature of things. The nature of things is change and cycle. Nothing is ever the end. There's no ultimate doom here. There's just We human beings have to adapt. We are unique in our ability to adapt to all circumstances that we encounter. And at any stage of human existence on this planet, from Adam and Eve on, humans have had to adapt to environmental changes that they couldn't control, to uh, enemies that they didn't know they had till they showed up. Uh, humans had to learn how to adapt to drought. They had to learn how to adapt to flood, especially in the early days when they couldn't be predicted. But even now, when we have so much more knowledge and so much more ability to predict upcoming calamities, still nobody saw this. So we're in a massive period of adapting to it. And how we adapt is going to be challenged because there are people attempting to promote a panic. There are people attempting to say that the government in charge doesn't know what it's doing. They want you to get scared. I think the way I would look at that, if I were you, is if look at what this administration has fixed and done inside of just three years. You wanted administration didn't know what it was doing when it came to matters of the economy, when it came to matters of uh, prosperity. Take a look at the eight years of Obama. Now, Obama was romanticized because the media loved him. Everybody thinks Obama appointed an Ebola czar. You know, ladies and gentlemen, czars are something you find in totalitarian regimes. Czars have oligarchical or authoritative control over things. We don't, we don't have czars in the United States. The Russians, the Soviets had czars, but we don't. Now, Obama did. And everybody made a big deal out of the fact that Obama had an Ebola czar. He didn't have an Ebola czar. The guy he appointed to deal with Obama was not a, Ebola was not a medical person. He was a lawyer. He was a lawyer for Al Gore. His name was Ron Klain. He had no health care experience whatsoever. Everybody's from, oh, Obama had a health czar. Obama had an Ebola czar. Obama was far more competent to try, not, try this. Mike Pence just announced the appointment of a lead researcher. The AIDS expert at the State Department, a woman, is joining 
Pence's and Trump's association of medical people to deal with this. Let me tell you what I saw today during my show prep. You know, I read my tech blogs all the time, and there's a bunch of tech blogs that are populated by mostly gay people. They hate Pence. They despise Pence because they think Pence was anti-gay people and didn't work hard enough to fix HIV and AIDS-related health cases when he was governor of Indiana. They hate him. They hate him. They think he's anti-gay. They think... So here, and it's a, this is the worst thing can happen. Worst thing can happen. Mike Pence, you don't know what going on. He hates gay people, say these tech blogs. Just literally insane stuff. So Pence goes out today and his first big hire, other than those that we saw yesterday at the press conference, the AIDS expert at the State Department. And the reason for that is. We needed to act fast. You know, the age HIV, nobody had seen it before. Brand new, popped out of nowhere. Tried to get a handle on it quickly. You remember if you were alive then, Reagan didn't care. That's why AIDS spread. HIV, because Reagan didn't care. It was absurd. And they tried to say the same thing about cancer. Now he's gone out and hired the number one AIDS researcher and expert at the State Department. To, uh, to join the team, which is a really responsible and smart hire because some people think there's some similarities in the behavior of the coronavirus and AIDS. And it may be. We don't know. Uh, but I think you ought to have a lot of confidence in the people that are looking at this now and not believe the media trying to tell you that the people in charge here don't know what they're doing. The people in charge have fixed so much already that was wrong with this country after eight years of Obama. We had people that did not believe, folks, in the growth of the U.S. economy. You've forgotten, maybe, but the Obama administration was telling everybody there's a new era of decline, and they were the ones to manage it. That the days of America's economy continually growing were over. Obama told us this. He'd go out to New Hampshire, go out to Michigan, Indiana, tell people their jobs weren't coming back. During the 2016 campaign, Trump would say they are coming back. Obama would go out and say, what's he going to do? Wave a magic wand? How's he going to bring them back? Trump brought them back. It can be done. The U.S. economy is growing and expanding. It may have enough strength to withstand what it's going to get hit with, with the coronavirus is how strong it is. Here's how it's going to be hurt. It's going to be hurt by people. Let's say that your family had intended to I'll just make, travel to San Francisco this summer on a vacation. But now you're not going to go because of coronavirus. Okay, so the economy is going to lose your trip to San Francisco. And you're not going to go twice to make up for the one you lost. You may not go at all now. But if you do go... You're not going to go twice to make up for the trip that's not going to happen. The economy is going to lose your trip to San Francisco. The economy is going to lose things like this where people are not going to do what they had planned to do that they're not going to do two times or more. So the loss will not be made up. That's how the economy is going to be hurt in a tourism area and maybe even uh, purchases. You just don't know. But we have to adapt to it. And the best way to adapt to it is without any panic and to try to keep all the politics out of this, which the the Democrats, because it's an election year and the media are attempting to make everything political and they love the panic and they're stoking it. 
And it's just like I always say, if there's going to be a recession, just make up your mind not to participate in it. You don't have to. You don't have to be a conformist. You don't have to go along with the crowd if you don't want to. Be an individual. Be industrious. Be creative. Find ways to not have to participate in this if it's going to be bad. You can do it. People do it all the time. In a downward economy, you'll note not everybody goes down. Not everybody suffers. Some people prosper in a down economy. How's that? They find out how to do it and work it and do it. It's all about how much do you want to conform versus how much do you want to be an individual, stand up for yourself, and and just not, not automatically follow the herd. You follow the herd, you're going to get lost. When there's a herd of anything going, you can't spot the individuals in it. And you certainly aren't in control of anything if you're in the middle of the herd. So try to maintain maintain control of as much as you can of your life. Be skeptical about this panic-driven stuff that you are hearing. Ask yourself a question. Okay, of the 60 people that have the coronavirus in America, how many are in the hospital? <clears throat> how many have died? What's the first thing you're going to do if you come down with the disease? What, what, if you get the flu, what do you do? If you get the cold or any kind of a respiratory virus, what do you do? Well, you don't think you're going to die. And you know, the first thing you do is not go to the hospital. You go somewhere. You try to get treated. You don't go to work. You stay home. You keep yourself sequestered from others so you don't infect them. It's the same thing that happens with this. But what you, you see, you see on TV, you see pictures out of China. The only pictures you see are people in hazmat suits uh, treating patients lying in hospital beds. And so you think that's what happens to everybody that comes down with a disease. They're not telling you that. Well, let me check something real quick here before I have to go to break. Uh, come on, come on. Of, of the 82,500 cases, there are. 33,000 people have recovered from it. And they're not telling you how many people have recovered. They're making it look like, they're making it sound like nobody recovers. You get this, you're dead. You're not. I got to take a break. We'll be back and continue after this. And we are back. Speaking of which, folks, Tim Cook from Apple. We have a soundbite here. He was on the Fox Business Network. He's done an interview with Cavuto, uh, Coast to Coast, that they're going to air tomorrow, but they got one clip they're using to promote it. And here's Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, talking about Apple's factories and the coronavirus. It feels to me that China is getting the uh, coronavirus under control. I mean, you look at the numbers, they're coming down day by day by day. And so I'm very optimistic there. On the supplier side, we have suppliers. You know, iPhone is built everywhere in the world. We have key components coming from the United States with key parts that are in China and and so on and so forth. When you look at the, the parts that are done in China, we have reopened factories, so the factories were able to work through the conditions to reopen. They're reopening. They're also in ramp, and so I think of this as sort of the third phase of getting back to normal, and we're in phase three of the ramp mode. Now, what he means by ramp means ramping up to full production, ramping up to full employment at these, uh, at these factories. So you see, Cook isn't panicking. Uh, and probably even if he is, he's not going to sound like he is when he's interviewed in public. But 
they are going back to work. The, the factories are opening. The, the the people that run the factories are offering all kinds of incentives to get people out of their homes and back to work. I mean, these factories employ 500,000 people. Do you know how many people it takes to churn out enough iPhones every day for Apple to sell nearly 250 million of them a year? It takes a lot of people, a lot of different places. And uh, it doesn't sound like he's worried much at all about Apple being able to meet its uh, its product release dates this year in quantity. So that's good news. We'll be back here in just a second. Now, I came under some criticism, friendly criticism from a caller yesterday claiming that my recitation of the coronavirus mortality rate at 2% Russia, that's a big deal. You make it sound like it's not a big deal. Well, let me explain what the 2% is 2% of. The mortality rate of 2% for people with coronavirus, it's 2% of the people who contract it. It means that 98% of the people who get it recover from it. The mortality rate for SARS was 10%. The mortality rate for MERS was 34%. Well, wait a minute, Rush. You said the flu was low. The survival rate was one. Yeah, because that was of the whole population. When you talk about the flu, 30 to 60,000 people die from it a year. Uh, it's about 30,000. The, the, the range is 30 to 60,000, depending on, on the years you're talking about. That is one-tenth of one percent of the population in the whole country, not of the people who get the disease. The, the, there's a confusion here over the fatality rate and what the universe is. In, in talking about the 2% mortality rate for the coronavirus, that's only a people who get it. And it's low compared to other diseases like SARS or MERS, the world survived both of those. It's much lower than the pe- Ebola. <laughs> uh, you get Ebola, your 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 mortality rate is uh, less. Your survival rate is in the single digits. Uh, so ninety eight percent of people who get coronavirus survive it. It is, and it's just within the universe of people that get the disease is what these numbers are, not of the, if it were expressed as a percentage of the whole population, it would be as low as the reported numbers of people who succumb to the flu. Uh, But the number 2% has been used here only within the universe of people who get the disease, which is what's Interesting to people now, given that the disease is new and just popping up all over the place. Okay, back to the phones. Richard Port Angeles, Washington. Great to have you on the EIB Network. Hi. Uh, Ditto's Rush. My question is, should President Trump ask for more money to to secure the southern border to prevent the spread of the virus now? Uh, you're basing this on the press conference yesterday where the president said, hey, the uh, Democrats claim we're not spending enough money. We'll take all they want to give us. Is that what is it, maybe ask for more now, even for the southern border, since they're so willing to give it for coronavirus? Right. They, you know, he's being criticized for not doing enough. So now's the time to say, hey, we're going to take care of this for sure and prevent a uh, preemptive strike to uh, help the United States. See, that's what that, that interesting point about this is uh, one that I made yesterday. The Democrats don't want to close the border. 
They don't want to close the border. And I'll tell you, there there has to be some concern. You know, wait till cases of coronavirus start popping up in Central America and in Mexico. It's going to happen. The odds are some already have. But wait, till they, wait till they happen in quantity. And then the the United States southern border being open or accessible is going to be a fact. I, th- I think president should... Um, toy with the Democrats on this. Say, if you, you guys are so willing to throw money at the coronavirus, let's, uh, let's show up the southern border. I'd put them on the spot. Absolutely. Bruce, in Philadelphia, great to have you on the program, sir. Hello. Hi, Rush. This is an honor. Let me get straight to my point. If this coronavirus gets into the homeless populations with the kind of living conditions there are and the proximity of all these people, it will spread like wildfire in these Democrat-run cities. <laughs> Oh, I you know I, I I love people who are trying to return political fire on this. Look, I mean that's a valid point because in the homeless population of Los Angeles, there are diseases we have cured popping up, like hepatitis, hepatitis B, some other things that we've cured are beginning to pop up in the homeless population of Los Angeles, and if this were to hit there and it start spreading like wildfire. Yeah, that would be a um, concern. The Zika, by the way, the Zika fatality rate was 8.3%. Remember they're spraying everywhere for mosquitoes and stuff and everybody panicked over the Zika. Uh, the Zika scare. That 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 mortality rate, fatality rate, 8.3%. So you can find a lot of Diseases, when you talk about the mortality rate expressed as a percentage of the people who get it, not of the whole population. The coronavirus is at the low end. Now, that's not designed to make anybody feel any better. We're just trying to keep things in perspective here, folks. Under the belief that it makes no sense and it isn't productive for anybody to panic. You know who's probably panicking out there? You know the millennial population in this country has been so trained to think of the future as dystopian? Look at millennial entertainment shows. Millennial entertainment shows are all about the end of the world and the suffering and the misery and the wanton rampant disease and now here comes the coronavirus, and I bet you the millennial population is buying buying all this hook, line, and sinker and getting extremely panicked and pessimistic over it. You watch. I mean, I can see some evidence of it in the tech blogs that I read. Here's Mike in Indianapolis. Welcome, sir. Great to have you on the EIB Network today. Hello. Hey, thank you, Rush. Uh, my brother called into your show during the Clinton administration. It's only taken me, taken me 20 years to even the score, so thank you for that. You bet, sir. Okay. Hey, I just wanted to follow up on the comment you made about President Trump and the press conference. And, um, you know, so I was 10 years old when Reagan came into to office. So I've seen six presidents now and, and how to handle that. I've never seen a president that takes all questions in Q&A, can talk on all subjects in detail and with intelligence as, as President Trump does. It's really, truly impressive, especially when you look at all the distractions. that He's are. He's almost as good at that as I am. You're right. <laughs> for sure well I mean on the wide variety of topics and subjects and expertise and it is exactly. just, it, 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 but you know it was also what did you think like, my buddy Andy McCarthy who is of the he's in the crowd he likes Trump but he wishes Trump would stop tweeting he thinks it's not presidential he said 
And Andy tweeted, like, if the president could finish the year acting like he did in this press conference every day, he'd win by 10 points. My buddy Andy McCarthy, this was presidential last night. This is the way Trump ought to comport himself every day from now on out. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, I agree to a certain extent, but I, I think the other thing, you know, I think of other other presidents, too, and how, you know, Clinton tried to con- control the narrative all the time. And, and you know, Trump's winning at that game as well. And so, I mean, he, he needs that. But, you know, that's a great point. How did, if this were happening and some things like it did during the Clinton years, how would he handle it? Exactly. Yeah, I mean... Uh, he wouldn't handle it as it's all business and we got it handled. He'd go out there and fake a tear. Be political. And say he feels people's pain. He'd get all choked up and he'd act, he, would, he would try to relate to people based on compassion, like liberals always do. They never fix anything. They just convince you they care more than anybody else about it. Yes. But... The, there, there would be some reassurance that we're we're working hard as we can on this, and I, I, I feel your, I feel your pain. We, we people are suffering and hurting, and and we want to do everything we can to help people get affected by this. But you wouldn't have heard much about um, actual solutions because that's not what liberals do. That's a, that's a that's a that's a great point. I have some audio sound bites of the Trump press conference. We'll get to that after this brief timeout. So don't go anywhere, folks. All right, welcome back. Rush Limbaugh, America's real anchorman meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day, even though today I felt like, felt like, call it, get the guest host in today. This is going to be a rocky day. But I came in when I found out how my name and the president are being impugned and maligned by the drive-by media, which we dealt with in the first hour. I did not see the Washington the Washington Post version of, of the BuzzFeed story that I think the deep state created this. Did the Washington Post publish that? Did, 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 did my consp- the, the, the Washington Post claims that I have created a conspiracy theory that the deep state created the coronavirus in order to weaponize it against Trump. The Washington Post you know, the Washington Post is calling all over the piece, all over the place, trying to get hold of people who know me to do a sympathetic story on me getting cancer and what it must be like. And all. And I've told everybody I know, do not talk to these snakes because it can't possibly be anything good. Ah, oh, Greg Sargent, the guy, that guy lives angry. That guy lives enraged all the time. He used to send me snarky little notes back in the day when he thought I misquoted his radical liberalism and his stupid columns. The idea that I actually said they can't even prove it. I didn't say it. They really report that I claim the deep state created the coronavirus to weaponize against Trump. Uh, you know, Trump suing the New York Times for libel, the Trump campaign is. I mean, I don't know. This is outrageous. I mean, it's one thing for some cockeyed Internet firm like BuzzFeed to do it. But for the Bezos Post to repeat this slander, they can't prove it. They can't go anywhere Any archive 
of this program and find me saying that because I didn't. Look at all the people inside the glass just smiling at me. Oh, this is fun, Rush. Yeah, let them say it about you. We'll see how much fun it is. It's, it is absurd, but people read the Bezos Post and believe that sh- garbage. Anyway, here's, uh, here's John Palisades Park, New Jersey. We've got Trump audio soundbites in just a second. Hey, John, how are you doing? Good, Rush. How are you doing? I'm fine, sir. Hey. That's good. You sound great. Thank you for taking my call you and bet, prayers to you and everybody there at EIB. Thank you. Um, there's no doubt that uh, that the Democrats are using this virus to weaponize as a weapon against Trump. And uh, I believe it's going to backfire just like everything else does and has. And uh, I'll tell you why, because what it's doing is it's it's pointing out how vulnerable our economy is to things that are out of our control. And what's it going to do? It's going to uh, cause people to take steps to correct that. And it's going to bring more jobs, going to take jobs out of China. People are going to be start bringing their people you know, back here, too. This actually is a good point. What, he, what he's saying is, because I just told the story about how vulnerable Apple is to this because most of their assembly, you know, Cook... And he's a very smart guy. He can talk about the fact that iPhones made all over the world. The parts are, but they are assembled in China. Now, there's some assembly in India, and they're trying to move some to Taiwan. But the mass production of iPhones and iPads and Mac computers is in China. And John's point here is, as people learn this, and learn how vulnerable the U.S. economy is to China and other parts of the world, the American people are going to end up being more supportive of Trump's efforts at trade deals with the Chinese that are fair to America and so forth. And that's, I think, a good point. It's actually a very good point that people are going to realize maybe even more than they do. Like, I... I wonder how many people actually know. They may see assembled in China, but they'll stop to think about what all is involved in actually making, creating, and assembling an iPhone and how much the Chinese economy is a part of that. It may, I, I bet you most people don't. They just go to the Apple store and buy it or go to the carrier store and buy the phone and they can use it and that's that. Where it came from, who cares? As long as I get it when I want it, I don't care where it came from. But I do think you're right. I think this is all going to backfire on these people because they're lying about things. They're making things up like this. I still can't believe. How would something like this even survive an editor? Rush Limbaugh says the deep state created the coronavirus so it can be weaponized against Donald Trump. And nobody checks that out. Not a single editor at the Washington Post or BuzzFeed is so shocked by that that they want to run it down. And is there nobody at either publication? No, this can't be true. Nobody would say this. How much trouble would it take? To go to RushLimbaugh.com and get the monologue and read what I said would be easy for these people to do. And they don't do it. Proving they want to run lies and disinformation if they think they have a chance at attaching it to me. Because they think they have sufficiently destroyed my reputation among people that don't listen to me to be able to get away with it. 
And then they, they get a report at the press conference last night essentially asking the president about it. Do you think the coronavirus is being weaponized against you? And he says, yeah, I think it is. But he didn't understand what the guy was saying. The coronavirus is being weaponized by the media. I never said the Chinese didn't create it. I never said anybody created it. Just happened. But now that it has, the media is using it for all it's worth. It's the new Russia collusion. It's the new phone call with the Ukrainian president. It's the new Mueller investigation. Will there be a Mueller investigation? Will the Mueller investigation look at whether or not the deep state did in fact create the coronavirus? And will there be a two-year report says, sorry, the deep state didn't do it? I, uh, I doubt it. And the Washington Post headline is, Trump just pushed one of his worst conspiracy theories yet. And that is based on his uh, reaction to the question he got from that lame brain loco weed reporter last night who was asking based on the BuzzFeed story. Okay, got to take a break, folks, as time races on. We'll be right back and continue after this. Quickly, uh, Jim in Johnson City, Tennessee. Hello, sir. Ditto's Rush. Question, how many people have been murdered in Chicago this year to date? And how many Americans have died in this country from the coronavirus to date? Ooh, ooh. I think Let's more people more people time die time. in Chicago on a weekend than have the coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. Try to fix what's broken before <laughs> we start jumping off the cliff over uh, something that may not ever occur. Oh, but sir, you're not paying attention. The drive-by media is assembled at UC Davis Medical Center in Sacramento, ready to proclaim the apocalypse. Based on one patient they think has the disease, they can't figure out how. Except the CDC says it may have been from contact with somebody arriving back in the country. But they're ignoring that and acting like it's an act of God. You know what I love? I love the Democrat. I love the idea that people that can't even run the Iowa caucuses and count the votes properly think that they could better run the reaction to the coronavirus than Donald Trump. They can't even count the votes in Iowa. They're still not sure what happened in Iowa, but these are the people that are going to run the medical response to the coronavirus. And I'm going to tell you something else. The coronavirus is challenging two major tenets of liberalism. One tenet of liberalism is that climate change is the biggest threat the world faces. When in fact... A warmer world might cut down on these viruses. Number two, they're saying we should all use public transportation, live in large, densely packed cities to help fight climate change. (laughs) Really? You know what else is happening in South Carolina? (laughs) Bernie Sanders supporters have found out where Democrat Party officials live in Charleston and other South Carolina cities, and they're going to their homes at midnight with Al Sharpton-type megaphones and harassing them from outside the front door of the house. And you know why they're doing this? There's a poll out today, a new Monmouth poll, likely Democrat South Carolina primary voters. 
that has Biden at 36 percent, Crazy Bernie at 16 percent, Tom Steyer at 15, Focahontas at 8 percent, Booty Judge at 6 percent, and Klobuchar 4 percent. Now, the margin of error is almost 5 percent. 713 voters have been surveyed here. These Bernie supporters think this poll is rigged. They think South Carolina is being rigged against Crazy Bernie, and they are out there after midnight with Al Sharpton megaphones harassing Democrat Party officials outside their homes. I'm going to tell you, if Bernie Sanders does not get this nomination, there is going to be an all-out revolution in the Democrat Party. If he doesn't get this nomination, if they try to take it away from him with superdelegates or something at the convention, it's going to burn. These Bernie Sanders people, they're not going to let it happen twice. They know he got rigged in 2016 for Hillary Clinton. And they think that the parties do. And, and by the way, who can blame them? Who can, All you have to do is listen to a Democrat debate and listen to all these people talk about how, with Bernie as the nominee, the party would lose everything. And every Democrat in their right mind knows that. Bernie would lose big. Down ballot, the Democrats would lose big. It's not that the Democrats disagree with Bernie on policy. This is the thing that everybody's got to understand. It's just they think that Bernie, because he's so open about all of it, is going to lose in a landslide. That's why they don't want Bernie to be the nominee. Bernie's supporters, did you hear, by the way, I forgot to make mention of this. Did you hear what Bernie did during his, his, his segment in the debate where he promised to legalize dope? Now, wait a minute. He promised to legalize marijuana. So he's going he's gonna to retire student loan debt. He's going to make marijuana legal. Is it any wonder his supporters are all for him? Free weed, free education, no student loan debt. He's going to retire it. And then you know what he said? He said as a way of getting even with past discrimination, what he's going to do He's only going to allow African-American and Hispanic businesses to sell legal marijuana. That's, that is what he said. I, who cares what it's unconstitutional? He said that he's, he's going to make sure that, that other groups do not get in on the massive business of selling legal marijuana. It's going to be exclusive to African-American and Latinos. There was one other minority group, and they're not Indians because they get the casinos already. So it was, it, dope, that's right. The, that's exactly right. The dope, the legal dope dealers are going to be African-Americans and Hispanics. He's, I don't know what he's going to make you wear when you sell the stuff, but that's what he said he was going to do. He's going to legalize marijuana. And by the way, Klobuchar agreed with it. Klobuchar, they all, they all agreed with legalizing marijuana. It's a gateway drug, folks. It's a bad move. But they're still going to do it. All Every Democrat's promising. I don't know about Doomberg, but But then he made a point of saying... And he thought he was spreading the. He's, he's going to deny whoever is in. I need to get the bite. I need to get the bite of the transcript because he, in addition to saying that the only people going to be allowed to legally sell marijuana after it's legal, African Americans and Hispanics, there was a third minority group. But he also 
mentioned others from whom he's going to take it away from because it hasn't been fair. And it's not just the sale of marijuana. No, not, she didn't say anything about Indians getting the short end of that stick. No. Elizabeth Warren, she no. Nobody said anything. That's, he, he's sitting there, he's waving his arms around the way he does. And what if one other thing, one other thing we're going to do? We're going to make sure that we legalize marijuana, that only African-Americans and Hispanics are going to be able to legally sell it. Yay! Crowd went nuts. I'm thinking the guy is perpetuating a stereotype that African-Americans are going to continue to be legalized dope dealers under the Bernie Sanders administration. So, anyway, I'm sure that Cookie is hustling to the transcript of the debate, trying to find the the bite even now. But I, I, I just, folks, these Bernies, there's video of it. These Bernie people running around harassing Democrat Party officials at their homes with the Al Sharpton megaphone, shouting insults at them, shouting threats at them including African-American Democrat Party officials. If Bernie doesn't get the nomination, your house is going to burn. If Bernie doesn't get the nomination, the party's going to... Whatever they're saying out there. Okay, let's go to the audio sound bites. Trump and the press conference from last night. I just want you to hear some of this because it was really good. It was reasonable, reasoned. It, it was not histrionic. There was no attempt to scare anybody. It was the exact opposite. It was a really good effort to calm everybody down. Uh, one of the questions, uh, Mr. President, the CDC said yesterday they believe it's inevitable the virus will spread to the U.S. And it's not a question of if, but when. Do you agree with that? Well, I don't think it's inevitable. I probably will. It possibly will. It could be at a very small level or it could be at a larger level. Whatever happens, we're totally prepared. We have the best people in the world. Now, it may and get bigger, it may get a little bigger, may not get bigger at all. We'll see what happens. But regardless of what happens, we're totally prepared. I didn't take the bait because that question is based on Rosenstein's sister two days ago at the CDC saying, oh, it's, it's not a question of when. It's a uh, if. It's only a question of when. And we're going to have to kick kids out of school uh, and they're going to have to go to school by teleconference and FaceTime. And you're not going to be able to go to the office. You're going to have to go to the office and communicate with your boss in the office via FaceTime. You can't go. That's what we're going to have to do. So it was Rosenstein's sister, obviously somebody who doesn't like Trump, setting him up. They asked the question. So do you disagree with CDC? No, I don't have a problem. No, no, it may get bad, may not get bad. We don't know. He didn't fall for it. That made them mad. The fact that Trump didn't fall for their trap. So then Chip Reed, this this is when Catherine and I were watching this together. We looked at each other. We just smiled. We started laughing. So there's nobody like this guy. Chip Reed, CBS White House co-respondent, said the stock market's taken a big hit over the last few days. What can you do about that? 
And if the CDC is right in saying the spread's inevitable, are you going to be dealing with the stock market issues and the economy issues for some time to come? I think they look at the people that you watched debating last night and they say if there's even a possibility that can happen. I think it really takes a hit because of that. And it certainly took a hit because of this. And I understand that also because of supply chains and various other things and people coming in. Uh, but I think the stock market will yeah, recover. He, he, blamed, he blamed the stock market crumbling on the Democrat debate. He said, those Looney Tunes, anybody watching that would be scared out of their wits. If these people happen to win, I can understand the market plummeting. Because Just, eh, eh. do you disagree with the CNBC? Do you think the economy is going to go in the tank and it's going to be your fault? No, I get Democrats are responsible for it. You, <clears throat> And, of course, the reporter, Chip Reed, just sitting there frustrated as he could be. You can see it all over his face. They think they're smarter than Trump. They think they've entrapped Trump. And Trump comes back and says something to him they haven't even expected. The next bites when he called Pelosi incompetent, an identified reporter said, Mr. President, Mr. President, what is your response to Speaker Pelosi? He said earlier today that you don't know what you're talking about, the coronavirus. I'm also wondering if you want to address critics who say that you can't be trusted what your administration is saying. I think Speaker Pelosi's incompetent. She lost the Congress once. I think she's going to lose it again. She lifted my poll numbers up 10 points. I never thought that I would see that so quickly and so easily. I'm leading everybody. We're doing great. I don't want to do it that way. It's almost unfair if you think about it. But I think she's incompetent, and I think she's not thinking about the country. And instead of making a statement like that, where I've been beating her routinely at everything, uh, instead of making a statement like that, she should be saying, we have to work together. Yeah, exactly. But that's not what they're doing. You could heard it. You heard it in this, in this, this idiot question. How, how about this question? Mr. President, what's your response to Pelosi who said today, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm also wondering if you want to address critics who say you can't be trusted what your administration is saying. Trump, calm, cool, collected. I think Pelosi's incompetent. I never knew somebody could cause my approval numbers to go up so fast. Never thought I'd ever see that. She lost Congress once. She's going to lose Congress again. These reporters are fuming. They are livid. Now, let's get some pre-press conference comments on our own beloved special report with Brett Bear. Mara Lyason from NPR, who, whenever I see her in person, she's so nice to me. She's so sweet. She even tells me that she thought things I've said about Hillary Clinton were funny. But here she is last night talking about the coronavirus before Trump's press conference. A lot of people are very confused. What is this virus? How dangerous is it? What do they need to do to prevent it? Is there a test? Is there a vaccine? I mean, there is a lot of questions around this, and there's a lot of conflicting messages we've heard from the administration. It's very scary, or as the president said the other day, everything's fine. Rush Limbaugh called it no more than a common cold. So he needs to clarify what this disease is and what people need to do about it. Once again, and folks, don't miss it. I'm not putting myself down. Do not misunderstand what does it matter to them what a guy on the radio saying about this the very fact they're mentioning me is evidence of how they are politicizing it 
I said it's no more than the common cold in terms of the universe. When I said this, 53 Americans had coronavirus, or 57. Now it's up to 60. It says the common cold in terms of how widespread it is. There's no reason to panic, was my point. So because I said it's nothing different than common cold, president has a duty to correct Rush Limbaugh and make the American people understand exactly what's going on. No, 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 folks, don't misunderstand now. I'm asking the question rhetorically. What difference does it make what a guy on the radio says? Why quote me? How many other people are out there talking about this, but they zero in on me, old L. Rushbow? Why do you think that is, Snurdly? Why do you think it is? No, I don't know why it is. You tell me why you think it is. It's easy. It is easy. They think I am a way to galvanize opposition to Trump. They think they have so created uh, hatred and distrust, dislike for me that whatever they say I say, people automatically reject it. People that don't listen to my program and so forth. Um, what? Why don't? What, why don't they say something like, uh, if Mara Lyson, Mara Lyson in NPR, she's on Fox, Brett Bear. Why didn't she send something like, what, 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 what? You know, Michael Strahan, a Good Morning America said, why is it never? Why is it always me? It's never Gail King on CBS said. And they say stupid stuff on those shows every day. Uh, Hoda Kotb said, you never hear what Hoda Kotb said. Well, I know those people don't go against the grain like I do, but they still never quoted. I guarantee if Hoda Kotb said, there's nothing to worry about here, folks. There's no more than a common cold. They wouldn't quote her saying it. Wait, how do they even find out? I said it. They don't listen here, so how do they find out, I said. We know how they find out about it. Let's see, what have we got? Um, oh, we got one more of those. This is on CNN Newsroom today. John Yaws talking to Democrat strategist Caroline Heldman. So the thing I keep thinking about is potentially this is a huge problem for Donald Trump. Yep, the coronavirus. You, you're the people who can't even count the votes in Iowa, and you think this is a problem for Donald Trump. At the same time, though, do Democrats have to be careful how they use this sort of health emergency to attack the president? I actually think this is a very good opening for Democrats. And unfortunately, it's become political, right? When you have Rush Limbaugh, for example, saying that the coronavirus is like the common cold and it's being used against Donald Trump. At the end of the day, this shouldn't be political. But Donald Trump's response has been so backwards on this that I think it's an opening for Democrats. What response? He hadn't even responded yet by the time you people were saying this. All you could do was talk about me. You people politicized this first by saying this stuff about Trump being incompetent and unable to deal with it. You people know exactly what this is. You can't. You're so excited. You can't see straight. This is the next Russia collusion. This is the next Mueller report. This is the next Ukraine phone call. This is the next impeachment. You pathetic bunch of failures in terms of getting Trump. Okay, we got the Bernie bite from the Democrat debate. Tuesday night in Charleston, South Carolina. Listen to this. We have a criminal justice system today 
that is not only broken, it hold is it a racist. Hold it, 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 stop the tape. That's not what my transcript says. Let me see if do a criminal... Uh, uh, it should say, I do believe that on day one we will change a federal control to this soundbite 25. Is that what you just hit, soundbite 25? Well, hit it again. Let's see what happens. We have a criminal justice system today that is not only broken, it is racist. Got more people in jail than any other country on earth, including China. One of the reasons for that is a horrific war on drugs. So I do believe that on day one, this we is will it. change the Federal Controlled Substance Act, which, this if you it. can believe it, now equates heroin with marijuana. That's insane. We're going to take marijuana out of that and effectively legalize marijuana in every state in the country. What we are also going to do is move to expunge the records of those people who are arrested for possession of marijuana. And I'll tell you what else we're going to do. We're going to provide help to the African-American, Latino, Native American community to start businesses to sell legal marijuana rather than let a few corporations control the legalized marijuana market. So there you have it. Bernie Sanders is going to pimp out the legal marijuana market to African-Americans, Latinos and Native Americans. And he's going to do this. Rather than let a few evil corporations control the market for legal marijuana. (laughs) Don't you just love this? And they say that, they say that Republicans are racist. And this is Bernie said this is an example of uplift. We're going to expunge the records. Everybody got a marijuana convict. We're going to expunge them. We're going to legalize marijuana. It's no longer going to be equated with heroin. That's crazy. It's stupid. And then blacks and Mexicans are the only ones who are going to be allowed to sell the legal. That's what he's saying. Instead of the big, and Indians too, like Elizabeth Warren will get a legal marijuana franchise if she applies and if I say she qualifies. And now <laughs> we have <laughs> a break at the bottom of the hour. Hi, welcome back. Okay, I have to address something. A lot of people, many of you, more than I can count, <clears throat> are sending emails asking me, for a health update or just saying you haven't you haven't spoken about your treatment lady what what what's going on let me remind you i told you at the beginning of this and i'm i'm very flattered at 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 all of the uh, all of you who cared don't, don't misunderstand but i vowed not to let this take control of my life i've seen that happen it's all it's hard not to it, it's 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 a terminal disease for a lot of people. It it takes over your life. I I vowed to not let that happen as much as I can. Um, besides, who wants to listen to somebody talk about cancer treatment all the time? That's not that's not fun. Um, and, and there's another thing. If I were to get into any kind of detail, I mean, if they're making up that I claim the coronavirus was invented by the deep state to use against them. If they're willing to make that up, can you imagine what they would do if I went into detail? 
I, I don't even want to give them a window to open to start lying and making things up or investigating. All, all I'll tell you is this. I get treated every day. I get treated every day at 1 p.m., folks, within a five-minute window here at the top of the at 1 p.m., and then again at 11 p.m. And I um, also, every day, and then four times a week I have to do something else, which I'm not going to describe and I'm not going to explain or any of that, but it's, uh, it's ongoing. It's been two weeks now. It's not enough time to know <clears throat> anything, although I have, I'm extremely optimistic about it for a host of reasons, not the least of which, and I mean this at the bottom of my heart, is all of you. I believe God is good. I believe that there is good in everything that happens. It may I'll give you an example of that. It's not good for me that I have contracted this, but there's good in it. Uh, there's good in it maybe for other people uh, who might be inspired to change their life so they don't get it or whatever. There's good in everything if you just look for it. Uh, and ultimately, there's going to be good in it for me. It already has been good for me. The outpouring of love and affection that I have received uh, is unlike anything I've ever dreamed of or experienced. So you, you just you have to try to stay positive. You have to try not to panic. You have to try to do the best you can with what is learned about, in my case, the specifics of what I have. Deal with it with, with the latest uh, available treatments and adapt and do to try to establish as normal an existence as you can and not be dominated by it, which is why I don't issue reports, status, whatever, uh, each and every day, because I've, I've uh, A, I don't want to do it, and I, I don't want to be dominated by it. also don't want to have that become what the program is. It's not, it wouldn't be fair to bleed on all of you every day about this. Your support and your ongoing support, more than I can ever have dreamed about so um, and when there's when there's when there's more to tell uh, up or down then I will tell you I, I will tell you that there are there have been two days this week I got up I said God, I can't I, I just I can't do it I've also there one, I, I've, I've tried to um, you know not artificially push myself here every day as a sign of toughness uh, I've tried to push myself every day here because this is what I love doing. This is my natural, normal, happy state and place. But there have been a couple of days this week when I got up, oh, can't do it today. But I pushed through. And once I got here and got started, it was a long three hours of show prep. Thinking, oh, geez, I could barely stay awake. I was all kinds of stuff. And the program starts, the microphone goes on, and magic happens. And in about 20 minutes... When this is over, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decompress like you can't believe. I don't know what it is. But, um, and there, there are going to be days where, where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cave to it and not be here. And when those days happen, just, just chalk it up to the fact that it's fatigue because that's the primary thing that I have to deal with. So that's, that's the week update. Okay? That's the week, W-E-E-K apostrophe S update. Now. Uh, let's see who's been waiting on Richard in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Welcome, sir. Great to have you with us on the EIB Network. Hello. Hi, Rush. 
Uh, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Uh, may, God, may God bless you and keep you always. Thank you, sir. I just wanted to say that there's one thing that is more dangerous and more contagious in humans than any known disease, and that is panic. Because when people panic, they cease logical thought, and they make horrible decisions. And I just wanted to thank you as the mayor of Realville and America's anchorman for being a uh, voice of calm, reason, thoughtful reflection in helping people keep all of this in perspective. I am so happy that you perceive what I'm doing here that way, because that, I mean, I get worked up when I talk about the Democrats and their attempts to politicize this. I mean, what the hell else is it when the Democrats say this, when the media says this could be an opening for the Democrats? What the hell does that mean? See, I'm getting worked up about this. I'm not calm, cool, reasonable, because I'm ticked off about it. When the drive-by media, and they know who they are, talk about this is an opening for the, an opening for the Democrats to do what? You mean a calamitous potential pandemic is an opening for the Democrats? Like Hurricane Katrina, which did great damage to New Orleans, was an opening for the Democrats. Is that how we want to see the Democrats? The Democrats prosper when people suffer, when people are sick, when there is damage going on to the economy. That's when the Democrats suffer. Is that what you people in the media want the Democrats to be known for? That that's an opening for the Democrats is the American people sick and suffering? Because it isn't Donald Trump that's going to get sick and suffer. It's the American people are going to get this disease, and they're going to be sick, and they're going to suffer. And you're telling me that that is an opening for the Democrats. And then you accuse me of politicizing this? You people in the media ought to damn well be ashamed. You are so possessed with hatred for Donald Trump that you have lost all compassion. You've lost all ability to reason. You have lost all ability to think rationally. All you can see is killing the political fortunes of Donald Trump. That's all you can see. And so the American people getting sick, a pandemic around the world, is an opening for the Democrats. You ought to go ask Pelosi, Madam Pelosi, do you want to be seen as a party benefiting from the sickness of the American people? Because the media has claimed that this is an opening for you. Hey, Smiling, crying, Chuck Schumer. Are you happy to be a Democrat known to benefit when the American people get sick? You people in media need to go ask these people if they see it the way you are portraying it about them. This is an opening for the Democrats. A potential pandemic, a potential deadly virus is an opening for the Democrats. How the hell does that work? How is it that potentially hundreds of thousands of people getting sick, how is that an opening for the Democrats? How does that work? Oh, it works because maybe the media and the Democrats can blame it on Donald Trump or claim that Donald Trump didn't know how to stop it. As though people who can't even count their own freaking votes in Iowa know how to fix this and stop it. So, yeah, it ticks me off, folks. Especially when they make up a bunch of garbage about how I'm the one politicizing it. Thanks for the call out there. 
Hi. Are you welcome back? It is great to have you, Rush Limbaugh, behind the EIB golden microphone here. Okay, Frank in Troy, Michigan, you are next. Great to have you with us, sir. Hello. Hello. Hi, Rush. It's an honor to talk to you. I was wondering how you thought the COVID-19 virus was going to affect the 2020 election, because you've got a mass of people standing in line in close proximity to vote, no inoculation until about a year and a half out. Uh, no inoculation until about a year and a half. Well, I tell you, um, look, I can tell you what I think, but you ought to disregard it because I'm not a medical person. I'm not in the CDC. I'm not in the DCC. I'm not in the CDD. I'm not at the NIH. I'm not at the HIV. But I think it's a virus, and it's going to have a seasonal lifespan. And I, I just, I, I don't see it as being any more prevalent than the flu or anything else that is seasonal. And I, I don't know, do people not go to vote because of the flu? Do they not go vote because of the common cold? Do they not go vote for any airborne virus? Now, if it becomes a pandemic, I mean, if, if, if the media, if what the media is hoping for, that millions get sick so they can blame it on trip, that happens, then, then all bets are off. Do you know what they've done in Japan 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 has canceled their closed school. They've closed every school in Japan. The Japan professional baseball season still has 70 games to go. They are closing the stadiums. They're playing the games, but no fans allowed to go. They'll be on TV, I assume, but the stadiums are going to be empty. Japan professional base. So Japan, if that kind of thing were to happen here, um, then by the time you get to November and elections and whether or not people stand in line because there, there will not be a, a vaccine by then. That That is more than likely. That, I mean, the, the clinical human trials will barely have begun by then, I would think. So, anyway, folks, that's it. I uh, see the clock. Got to take a brief break here. Back to wrap it up after this. There's one thing I didn't get to today that uh, I'll tease here will do tomorrow, and that is Trump's use of the word inevitable. He said yesterday in his press conference, nothing is inevitable. And I think that is such a huge insight into who he is and why he's so successful. You know, inevitable is fatalistic. When people use the word inevitable, it's always about something bad. And Trump believes that things can be fixed. He thinks things can be solved, that nothing is inevitable. And I want to expand on this tomorrow because I think it's an insight into who he is. And if the Democrats have really set themselves up because if there's no major outbreak in this country, who looks bad? 